AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Hey, everybody. If you want to tell the world something or sell the world something, head on over to Squarespace because they're going to help you build the website of your dreams. Say you want to sell some custom merch. Well, you can set up your online store. Whether you sell physical, digital, or service products, Squarespace has the tools you need to start selling online. So go to squarespace.com stuff right now, and you will face a free trial. And when you get ready to launch, use our offer code STUFF, and then you'll save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. How could you go wrong with Squarespace? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant, and Jerry's here too, which makes this Stuff You Should Know, the podcast. (laughs) Oh, you know what? Say small talk while I look up uh, who gave me this idea. Why do you keep doing this to me? I have to, like, entertain everybody. (laughs) You once did this to me on stage. Get this, everybody. We were on stage at the Bell House in Brooklyn, and Chuck said he had to go to the bathroom all of a sudden, and I was left on stage um, having to entertain everybody while he just hung out backstage. I don't think you even went to go to the bathroom. And long story short, I ended up showing off my moonwalk. Yeah, but I totally went to the bathroom. You think that was all a bit? Yeah, no, no, no. Maybe you went and took some drugs to, <laughs> to keep going yeah, back on, on stage, but <laughs> I'm bad. sure in the green room you didn't even need to go do those in the bathroom. Uh, no, I genuinely had to pee such that I didn't think I could make it through the show. I've I've felt that way before, too. San Antonio, um, I had to run off stage once because of that. That's right. All right, here. I, I got you. I got it. Uh, this idea initially, this is on my list, but I forgot about it, mm-hmm. uh, but then was reminded by Alexander uh, or Alex Ramos mm-hmm. in State College, Pennsylvania. All right. Um, well, thanks a lot, Alex Ramos. This is a great idea. Toynbee Tiles. Um, had you ever heard of this? <clears throat> sure. Okay. Had you not? Well, no, I just said it had long been on my list. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Where but, did you hear of it? Uh, it just one of those things that pops up on the internet, and you're like, "Oh, yeah. let me read about this. This looks interesting." For sure, and it is definitely interesting. But, um, and it would have been, I think, even more interesting ten years ago, before yeah. the mystery was virtually solved. True, but it's still interesting if you ask me. Yeah, and I think this is one of those where you should very clearly tell everyone what we're talking about right mm-hmm. now. Okay, so what we're talking about is a phenomenon called the Toynbee tiles, where in uh, in the asphalt, on the street, um, on street corners and crosswalks and intersections, all over the, um, the Northeast, seemingly uh-huh. concentrated in Philadelphia, 
but also going as far west as I think Kansas City. And then also, strangely, down in Chile, Argentina, and Brazil, mm-hmm. these these tiles bearing some really bizarre messages cut out of linoleum and, again, embedded into the asphalt of the street mm-hmm. started appearing and have appeared mysteriously. No one has any idea or any any demonstrable proof of who is actually doing this. But they have been doing it since at least the mid-'80s and conceivably still going on today. Right. Uh, and they are known as the Toynbee tiles. They're about the size of a license plate. Mm-hmm. And the the general main message that you see on most of these is as follows. And it's in a very distinct script. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is generally all caps. Yeah, uh, cut-out letters made of linoleum. Cut-out linoleum. And it says this, Toynbee, that is T-O-I-N, B-E-E, mm-hmm. Toynbee Idea, underneath that, it says, in Kubrick's 2001. Yeah. Underneath that, it says, Resurrect Dead. And underneath that, it says, On Planet Jupiter. And then a lot of tiles will have these little tags underneath and much smaller script mm-hmm. that say all kinds of things. And we'll just read a few examples here. Uh, media will be reduced to ash. <laughs> Uh, you must make plus place tiles. You. I like that one because you has three exclamation points uh-huh. after. Uh, I'm only one man, which turned out to be a clue. Mm. And when I caught a fatal disease, they gloated over its death. Uh, this is my favorite. Can I read? Sure. Now Galileo's cult of the hellion is now searching for more than one hell ideologies to get more reward. Right. And then one final one, I think, because it's instructive to the story, uh, murder all journalists, I beg you. Yeah. So these are the little smaller messages underneath the main four, uh, I guess you would call um, tenets of this individual. Mm-hmm. And um, one thing we should point out, and Ed helped us put this together, is uh, apparently, and this is something I didn't even realize until yesterday, uh, when this person refers to Hellions, Apparently, he's talking about Jewish people. I don't know if that's proven. I think specifically he's talking about like a Jewish conspiracy, a Jewish cabal. Usually a Jewish media conspiracy is seemingly what he's referring to by Hellions. Okay. So there is, in some of these tiles, an anti-Semitic bit to them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it also points out that um, this person perhaps – may have some sort of mental illness, but it's also not right to even say that because we don't even know who this person is right? demonstrably as for proof, like you said. So it's also not great to like project that when you really don't know anything. No, and depending on where you look on the internet, what sites you visit, um, some, I think there's one called Toynbee Idea, either .net or .com or something like that. It's an authoritative site. It's by one of the main investigators mm-hmm. of these Toynbee tiles who um, ended up working on this documentary that basically solved the the case. Um, he refers to the, the, the Toynbee tiles as a, like an art project, basically. So... It could be the ravings of a madman or the ongoing uh, project of an artist, or it could be somebody who legitimately wants to make a crazy idea happen. There's a lot of different interpretations. And like you said, because we can't say for sure who it is that is doing this, you can't really 
get to the 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 genuine like you can't prove oh well this person is is has a mental illness that they're that this is how they're they're communicating that mental illness like you just you just can't say that but it is worth putting in the back of your mind as you kind of hear the rest of it you know yeah uh, and that documentary by the way is called resurrect dead um it is available on YouTube. The reason I mentioned YouTube is I didn't find that you could pay for it anywhere and watch it. Uh, but that's where uh, I, I did. Oh, uh, you can pay for it? I did pay for it like a chump. I couldn't find it on YouTube. What? <laughs> See, I was trying to do the right thing. Where did you find it? Vo- Voodoo? Uh, See, I looked all over. I used my handy app that tells you where you can stream stuff, and it was unlisted. Uh-huh. And then I looked on a few streamers, and it was unlisted. So. Right. I went to YouTube and it's just sitting right there. So I'll watch it. Oh, man. I looked at YouTube and all I could find were those stupid previews. Did you type in Toynbee Tiles documentary? <laughs> yes. I typed in the name of it, Resurrect Dead. It's weird. It's the first uh, hit. I don't know what happened. <laughs> uh, well, regardless, it's uh, about an hour and a half long and it's worth watching. I think it's a good Definitely. good doc. It's not great, but I think for when it was made, I think, I think the, they did a pretty good job with it. Yeah, I think it's got like a six plus, maybe even a seven on IMDb, and I would agree with that. I, it was worth the four dollars I paid to rent it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that. <laughs> uh, so we should talk a little bit about the message, I think, and break down what that means because there's a there are a lot of components to this mystery, um, from what the message means, where it came from, to who is doing this, how they're doing it, and it's a pretty interesting little multi pronged uh, mystery, I think. Yeah, and thanks to those three investigators who worked on the documentary, who are oh, big time. kind of portrayed on the documentary, we basically understand everything there is to understand about what the Toynbee tile makers' ideas are and what they mean. Uh, but that's fairly new. I mean, for years, basically from the advent of the internet, Toy- the Toynbee tiles were taken up as like a uh, something to commemorate and discuss and talk about from from the very beginning. And so there's a lot of time for this mystery to brew, and it was fairly recent that it's kind of been settled. But what they figured out is, um, from the outset, the Toynbee that was discussed or mentioned in the tiles is uh, Arnold J. Toynbee, who was kind of a popular historian. He wrote about civilizations and the history of civilizations and the history of politics and how it all kind of banded together and how the civilizations that rose and fell over time were all part of the same kind of current, that they were all related to one another, and that they rose and fell in predictable ways. Usually they would rise when a a group of very smart, creative people would kind of lead the charge in creatively addressing a problem, and civilizations would fall when people stopped responding creatively to problems and were overwhelmed by those problems. And he was really, really popular for a while, but then he started to really kind of take an increasingly Christian view, a worldview of history and politics, and placed a greater emphasis on the role of religions and Christianity, I believe in particular, than historians in general were comfortable with, and his his views kind of fell out of favor. Suffice to say, he was a genuine... um, original thinker who who is definitely worth, you know, reading about, if not reading directly. And it's a good thing his name was Toynbee. <laughs> yeah. It really made it a lot easier to narrow down the first uh, mystery, basically. Definitely, yeah. Which is, who is Toynbee? Yeah. Uh, if it was the Smith tiles, <laughs> <laughs> a lot harder. 
but that is certainly the Toynbee. And uh, it seems like the idea that, uh, and we'll refer to the person as the tile maker, as mm-hmm. Ed does. Um, Toynbee's book, Experiences, is, seems to be uh, the centerpiece of the crux of the idea that the tile maker is, uh, let's just say, fixated on. Um, the, the concept of the soul and the possibility that you could resurrect after death down to the molecular level. Um, and that's sort of what, you know, what resurrect dead means in this case. Mm -hmm. And then as far as on planet Jupiter, that comes, it seems like at least, and again, they were piecing this, uh, people have pieced this together, uh, because they've never interviewed the tile maker. Uh, but there, it looks like that's from Stanley Kubrick's 2001, a space odyssey, because it mentions Kubrick Mm -hmm. and in that novel, they are, uh, as you know, the star child is is reborn on Jupiter. Yeah, and that's where the astronauts are being dispatched to, is Jupiter, to figure out what's going on with some weird signal coming from that planet, right? That's right. So if you put all those things together, then these four ideas as the Toynbee idea make sense. It does It does kind of make sense. And, and like, Toynbee died, the, you cannot say, like the tile maker does, that Toynbee had the idea of resurrecting the dead on Jupiter— um, and that 2001 was about that Toynbee idea. That's a that's the tile maker's interpretation of all of that stuff. Yeah. But Toynbee was talking about scientifically resurrecting people or whether it was possible. And the tile maker took that idea and ran with it, and basically came to believe that the that science was meant to carry out the project of creating the afterlife that God promised. And that to resurrect everybody um, who had ever lived, you would need a planet the size of Jupiter, which is a huge, huge, it's a gas giant, um, that you would need a a planet the size of Jupiter to fit all those people. So it makes sense in all sorts of different ways once you understand all of it. But even still, if you step back and think about what they're they're saying, the tilemaker's saying, it's a, a genuinely bizarre idea, especially if you stop and realize that they legitimately were trying to make this idea happen. Well, and again, that's an assumption in and of itself. Like one day the tile maker could come out and say, hey, this was all a joke. I'm basically Banksy meets the Max Headroom incident. (laughs) And uh, I've been, uh, meets Andy Kaufman, and I've been punking you guys all these years. Sure. Of course I know that that's not possible. But I don't know. It seems like this is something that this person believes and that they're trying to get this message out. Uh, because another way that this message was gotten out is in uh, a neighborhood in Philadelphia in, I guess, the 1980s was when people would be watching television and all of a sudden their signal would be interrupted by this Toynbee message coming through the TV. Yeah. Uh, and they figured out that it was, uh, and I hope I'm not getting too far ahead, but we'll keep the mystery intact. But it was coming from someone driving around in their car with a high-powered antenna that could cause this kind of interference. Right. And this was pre-tile, so this would have been the very early 80s because they think the first tiles that were laid down were laid down in the mid-80s. And then even before the first tile, so basically around the time, no, I think even before the the um, the, the driving around interrupting people's TV watching. Yeah, the posters. There were posters around yeah. Philadelphia that were placed up that had very um, odd messages on them. Um, 
And then, but they were all generally like the same stuff the tiles were talking about, which again was the idea of resurrecting the dead on Jupiter. That was a Toynbee idea that was depicted in 2001. That's generally the bulk of the message. But also, there's a weird little kind of side tangent that happened. Um, David Mamet plays a role in this. Yeah. <laughs> because in 1983, Mamet wrote a play called 4 a.m., and he said later that it was an homage to Larry King, who back in the early, early 80s was a late-night radio talk show host, but long before he had his TV show. Long before he and, bought suspenders? Yeah. And Mamet used to uh, listen to that, uh, and he wrote a one-act play based on it. And in the one-act play, the the caller uh, who calls into this this radio show talks about resurrecting the dead on Jupiter and how people are dead molecules that you could bring back to life. And uh, Mamet basically said, I, I guess this guy got the idea from me, but if you step back and look at the timeline of everything, that call apparently went in in 1980 and Mamet didn't write the, the play for three years later. So David Mamet probably wrote a play based on a call he heard of the tile maker who called into Larry King in 1980 to explain his views on resurrecting the dead on Jupiter. Right. And everywhere I've looked, I haven't really seen that anyone is accusing Mamet of being dishonest. Uh, mm -hmm. I think the general consensus is, if that were the case, that he he probably didn't realize that he had heard it and probably remembers it as an original idea and not that he just stole this thing and lied about it. No, but it is impossible that it's a coincidence because of the yeah, language no that's used in the one act, like mm -hmm. resurrect dead molecules, um, just resurrect them on Jupiter. <laughs> yeah. 2001 is mentioned. Toynbee is mentioned. It's just not possible that it's a coincidence. Somebody influenced somebody else. But yeah, it does seem to be honest from what I can tell to you. Uh, all right. Good time for a break, I think. Mm -hmm. I think the mystery is mounting. I think so. I think people have their popcorn out. <laughs> and they're ready for part two. Okay. Well, let's give it to them. We'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by Altoids, because let's face it, unraveling the mysteries of the universe is tough work. But with Altoids, your breath will be stronger than a black hole's gravitational pull, more intense than an alien abduction, and more reliable than your phone's battery during a podcast marathon. When it comes to needing intense freshness, Altoids have you covered. Altoids are stronger than your favorite conspiracy theory, more intense than the latest true crime docuseries, and more reliable than a Bigfoot sighting. They're not just mints, they're curiously strong mints. Find Altoids in the checkout aisle. Grab your tin today. All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on. 
Hey, everybody, if you're building a deck at work and you want to supercharge it, check out Canva presentations. Work docs have been the same for too long, but Canva docs are different. They're visual. They grab readers' attention with images, charts, tables, and videos playable right in the doc. Plus, docs don't have to be just words on a page. You can make your docs pop with Canva docs. That's right. And Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, HR, ops, marketing, and more, Canva presentations can be the solution for you. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Canva presentations might be the most visually impressive presentations you'll ever use. Start with a stunning template, use it as a springboard for your design, adding images, graphics, charts, data visualizations, all from a massive media library. It's super easy to wow any audience with Canva presentations. So start designing today at canva.com, designed for work. That's C-A-N-V-A dot com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right. So you mentioned at the beginning, uh, Philadelphia is the centerpiece. And it is, uh, I mean, I feel like we can almost certainly say that the tile maker lives or lived in Philadelphia, perhaps mm-hmm. still does. Yeah. And uh, because there were, not only did uh, the Philadelphia have the most uh, concentration of tiles, and then it sort of spread from there, Boston, D.C., Maryland, New York, again, some th- sort of on a direct westward band, uh, out to Kansas City, like through Cincinnati, but never anything south. Mm-hmm. Um, there are in this one neighborhood where they uh, end up thinking they pinpointed the tile maker. There are they found all these little test tiles yeah. all over the place. These just little bits of tile, little letters here and there, but the same script and the same uh, technique. So uh, it was. It's pretty obvious that this is where it originated. Yes, I mean that to me is like well, there's there's your answer right there. Yeah. So um, they uh, they also like the people who were uh, were reporting having their TV interrupted by somebody driving down the street with their shortwave radio. That happened in Philadelphia, in the same neighborhood where those test tiles were later found by the documentary investigators. And that and wasn't the, a mystery, right? They like they were like, we know who that is. Stop doing it. Yes, and that became clear once those investigators visited that neighborhood and started talking to neighbors. Um, right. And one of the reasons they were able to link it was because the the radio broadcast that was coming through their TVs from the guy driving down the street was talking about resurrecting the dead on Jupiter, an idea of Arnold Toynbee's that was depicted in 2001. So 
Basically, this tile maker got this idea, starting about 1979, they pinned it down, and was trying to figure out creative ways to spread this publicity. Um, as, and, and one of the first ways that they tried to do it was to turn to the press. And they called the Philadelphia Inquirer and tried to relate their, um, their ideas to one of the journalists there, a guy named Clark DeLeon. And um, in, in very much the same way that, that they called Larry King three years before, Clark DeLeon took the call and then wrote up a very um, unflattering piece about the idea and um, I think kind of set off that that disdain for the media that the tile maker displays in some of the additional tiles. Yes, absolutely. So at some point, there was a, a group formed uh, by the TM uh, called the Minority Association. Uh, upon further investigation in this documentary, it seems that it was not a group or an association at all. It was just this one person. Uh, right. And there are some little clues that we'll get to later on about that. Uh, but that was this group that was formed and there were these radio broadcasts where the tile maker would say, I will send information if you want it uh, to anyone who wants it. And someone did because they had this stuff 20 years later, all these materials sent from the quote unquote minority association mm -hmm. that uh, the, the documentary filmmakers eventually got their hands on, which was a big, big find for them. Yeah, and it was really interesting like in, to watch it in the documentary how they managed to come across that. It was actually I was like this is this is some really weird filler that they're using and it finally like yeah. led to to finding these documents and turning up um you know people who knew this guy um back in the day. Um but when they got these documents that's when a lot of the the questions were filled in because um, it was that that minority associations like press materials, and it explained everything. Like anything you had a question about before was basically answered in this. And there was most of the documents were signed by somebody named James Morosco, um, which, like you were saying, uh, it, 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 they believe now that the the minority association was was just one person, the tile maker, and that the tile maker was using aliases to make it seem like there were more than more people than just one, and James Morosco was one of those aliases. It just so happens there was a James Morosco in Philadelphia who um, seems to have had nothing to do with this. It was just, again, an alias. Right. So that was a bit of a red herring, uh, but elsewhere in the document, there was only one other name mentioned. And, and you know, these people, these it's these three dudes, basically, that became, um, I don't know about obsessed, but it became like a fixation for them to solve this mystery. And this was at the very beginnings of the internet is when they started off. Like, you know, that there was they there was no information when they first started looking on the internet about the Toynbee tiles. Yeah, we should say their names because they they really did some good detective work. Justin Durr, Steve Weinick, and Colin Smith. Yes, are the three investigators. And then John Foy made the documentary, and they all seem to have worked together for that. Yeah, and this these guys did not know each other previously. They met online mm -hmm. through their individual interest in the Toynbee tiles and got together and seemingly became friends, you know, as they investigated this. Yeah. Which I think could have, uh, they could have fleshed it out a little more in the documentary, but that's fine. <laughs> human element to it. Sure. Well, yeah, they seem to really focus on Justin. Yeah, they did. He seems to be the, the guy that sort of uh, ran with it the most. Uh, but the only other name in this minority association uh, set of documents was uh, Severino Verna, 
uh, aka mm-hmm. Sevy, S E V Y Verna, and they tracked Sevy Verna down um, to this neighborhood in Philadelphia, and they said, "Well, Sevy Verna is the guy that rode around in the car." broadcasting these ideas and they were like well that's got to be him then uh and they were like he was he's a recluse he never uh you don't see him much he does his shopping in the middle of the night uh there was this incident where because all this stuff happened uh some people broke in like held a knife to his throat and were like you know because he was interrupting everyone's tv and all that stuff and especially after that, it seemed like he became even more of a recluse. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they said, but he had this old car with a, this huge antenna and didn't have a passenger seat and had a big hole in the floorboard. And it was just a mess. And they're knocking on this guy's door in the documentary, and he's just not coming to the door. And in the meantime, they're they're exploring these other side roads, uh, either figuring out the deal with Morosco or there was another candidate named, uh, was it Railroad Jim? Mm-hmm. Uh, which had a little bit of, I mean, I could see why they went down that road, but it became pretty clear that it wasn't Railroad Jim. Yeah, and then same with James Morosco. He lived in Philadelphia at the time, but he died in like, I think, 2003. And some of the tile makers, a lot of the tile makers' tiles continued on after that time. That can be pointed as like, no, these are definitely the original tile makers' tiles. Because one of the things that clouds this mystery is there have been plenty of copycats. Of course. Some of them are just kind of following up, like picking up what the tile maker's laying down kind of thing. Other people seem to be actually trying to actively confuse people by making tiles that look as, as much and seem as much like the tile maker's tiles. But these three investigators, among others, have gotten so good at examining the tiles, they can they can tell what's the tile maker's and what's not. And have even pointed to like, like change like different periods you know how artists like picasso had a blue period and all that mm-hmm. like the tile maker has had periods over the years and some of them are so different that it wasn't until years later that these investigators have gone back and been like actually that was the tile makers we thought he stopped for a while and this was a copycat it was actually him all along so um it definitely was not james morosco his widow says i have no idea what you guys are talking about with jupiter or 2001 my husband had nothing to do with any tiles please stop calling um and then same thing with Railroad Jim. He died and the tiles continued on. So it yeah. couldn't have been him either. So it definitely seems to be Severino Verna. Um, and that, that's been, he's, there's just so many things that, that point to him. It's, it's pretty much conclusive. Yeah. And there was, uh, we also should mention beyond the, the regular kind of license plate uh, size tiles, there was one sort of massive uh, information dump uh, tile set of tiles that just had a bunch of like, I mean, you can go online and read this one. It's really long. Uh, they talk about a lot of things from, there seems to be an obsession with the Soviet union, Mm -hmm. which, you know, during the cold war, it sort of makes sense that this might be a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, the media again, uh, the tile maker talks about the mafia breaking into his house to kill him, Mm -hmm. which is probably a reference to the people in the neighborhood who broke in to threaten him. Uh, and it's just sort of a long, rambling uh info dump that is uh i think when you talk to these three investigators or anyone that's in the toynbee tiles they're like this is the real sort of uh magna carta (laughs) i guess (laughs) of the tile maker and this this has the most clues in it uh and, and i think we also forgot to mention that the reason they even found verna was i think it was one in brazil 
had an actual street address in Philadelphia that turned out to be Verna's address. Oh, okay. I thought the address turned out to be a dead end, but there was definitely one of the earliest tiles, maybe the earliest tiles were those with that address in Philadelphia. So it turned out to be his, huh? Yeah, but I think that the only place that was was on one tile in Brazil. Okay, I gotcha. But so those were those were tiles from the mid-80s, and they think that those tiles were put down before even one started appearing in Philadelphia. Yeah, and that's sort of like one of the mysteries of the of the documentary is that they eventually talked to uh, Sevi's uh, Verna's mom because he's not answering the phone or the door, and she was like, "It's it, Sevi doesn't like travel. He's got a lung condition, and he wouldn't have traveled to South America or even outside of Philadelphia really because of this condition." Yeah, that's a puzzler because if you look at those tiles and the fact that it's a Philadelphia address in the same neighborhood at least as as um, Sevi Verna. Like it's it's definitely one of Verna's yeah. tiles. So what he could have had a proxy, haunt. I guess. I guess so for sure. Um, and they also say like why South America? There's apparently something in that book uh, experienced by Arnold Toynbee. Um, it's a bit of an autobiography as well, and he talks about going to these places that these tiles appeared in in the 80s. So I guess it's possible he could have had a proxy do it. Right, but here's the thing, and we'll leave you with this before our break. Uh, it seems very much 100% sure it's Sevi, but no one has ever seen this happen, these tiles that are embedded in asphalt. Mm-hmm. So the question for a long time remained still, how was this happening without, how are these hundreds and hundreds of tiles getting embedded in the street without anyone ever seeing this guy do it? And we'll talk about that right after this. Today's episode is brought to you by Altoids because, let's face it, unraveling the mysteries of the universe is tough work. But with Altoids, your breath will be stronger than a black hole's gravitational pull, more intense than an alien abduction, and more reliable than your phone's battery during a podcast marathon. When it comes to needing intense freshness, Altoids have you covered. Altoids are stronger than your favorite conspiracy theory, more intense than the latest true crime docuseries, and more reliable than a Bigfoot sighting. They're not just mints, they're curiously strong mints. Find Altoids in the checkout aisle. Grab your tin today. All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on.
Hey everybody, if you're building a deck at work and you want to supercharge it, check out Canva presentations. Work docs have been the same for too long, but Canva docs are different. They're visual. They grab readers' attention with images, charts, tables, and videos playable right in the doc. Plus, docs don't have to be just words on a page. You can make your docs pop with Canva docs. That's right. And Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, HR, ops, marketing, and more, Canva presentations can be the solution for you. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Canva presentations might be the most visually impressive presentations you'll ever use. Start with a stunning template, use it as a springboard for your design, adding images, graphics, charts, data visualizations, all from a massive media library. It's super easy to wow any audience with Canva presentations. So start designing today at canva.com, designed for work. That's C-A-N-V-A dot com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, Chuck, that was quite a cliffhanger. Right? So, no one's ever seen Sevi Verna do this. No one's ever seen anybody do this. Um, and it was thanks to the three investigators, which, by the way, did you ever read those Alfred Hitchcock books, The Three Investigators? One of them was like Hitchcock's nephew, and Hitchcock would make a cameo every once in a while. But I they were like. I remember what you're talking about, but I didn't read them. Kind of like a Hardy Boys type thing. Sure. They were great. And every time I say three investigators, I keep thinking of that. It's very yeah. nostalgic for me. <laughs> right. um, there's like a little portion of my brain that's really enjoying things right now. Uh-huh. Um, not to say the rest of my brain isn't, but right. it's enjoying it in a different way. <laughs> you <laughs> so, explained it. I think I did too. Um, but these three investigators, I can't even remember what I was talking about. Uh, I was talking about, we were talking about the fact that he uh, had never been found doing this. Oh, yes. These three investigators the near nailed miss. down how this actually happened. And then further, they they pieced together how Sevi Verna in particular would have done it too. And it's pretty ingenious. Yeah, so the way they figured out how it was happening was a near miss, which was the, and this is crazy coincidence, uh, but the lead investigator guy, Justin, was in Philly looking around, doing investigating. And a lot of this investigation at the time was literally walking around city streets looking down for these tiles. Yeah. Uh, it was like, you know, kind of the hard way um, before the internet was truly like filled up with information about this. And they're some of the first guys that filled the internet with this stuff. Mm-hmm. But he happened upon a fresh tile 
that had just been laid down that he said was not there when he passed by before. And he was like, it happened within minutes of when I was there. Mm-hmm. And it, it's in the documentary. It's pretty thrilling that this guy, like, he starts yelling around and and saying that he's, you know, I, I believe the Toynbee ideas. Where are you? Come out. Come out. <laughs> right. And it's like, oh, my God, this guy's just, like, almost solved the case. Uh, but what they found was these tiles were, and this is really pretty ingenious, actually, how it's done. Uh, they use like asphalt crack filler, like this black tarry stuff. Mm-hmm. And the key though is the tile is wrapped in uh, roof paper, tar paper, mm-hmm. which is black. So it's laid down and it just looks black on top. And then over time, this thing is run over by cars and walked over and gets embedded further and further. And eventually the tar paper just wears away yeah. to, to reveal the tile. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. So over the course of weeks, maybe even months, as this is being pushed down and melting into the asphalt, apparently on one of the tiles where he instructs people on making more tiles to do it themselves, he says, put them, lay them in the, in the summertime so that the sun will bake them into the asphalt. Um, but he, he never provided any other really detailed destruc- instructions aside from that and said, use asphalt crack filler. And then that's it. So these guys managed to piece this together from that, that one tile, that fresh tile they found. But Pretty even cool. still, the mystery remained on how they were appearing in some really strange places, like the middle of the street, like a busy street, um, the middle of a highway. Uh, the entrance of the Holland Tunnel. Yeah, that's the big that one. <laughs> it would be like really dangerous yeah. for a person to be squatting down, like trying to install one of these tiles. And they pieced it together by something one of the neighbors told them that you had mentioned earlier, that Sevi Verna had a car that didn't have a passenger side seat and that had no floorboard or a huge hole in the floorboard. And what they figured out once they found this fresh tile is that he might pull up to a stoplight, might stop in the middle of the road, put his hazards on, who knows. But he could lay down one of these pre-made tiles with asphalt filler, crack filler on the bottom and tar paper on top, smooth it down, and then drive off and just wait for it to be revealed, you know, over the coming weeks or months. I, this, this is the part that I love more than any other part of this whole mystery. Yeah is the ingenious, elegant, yet simple way that this tile maker would do this. Yeah. I love it. Would just, and didn't even necessarily have to stop for too long. Like, I get the impression that this thing is tarred on the bottom such that you can just kind of drop it there and it'll stay in place. I would guess. Drive over it with that back tire and it's it's in there. Yeah. And the idea that it's like slowly, it's protected until it's revealed, like people walking on it, people driving on it, not paying any attention to it whatsoever. And then in doing so, they're actually helping um, anchor this this piece. Um, I I just find that just, just like chef's kiss, you know? And then the other part of it, too, is it's ephemeral. Like these things are made of linoleum embedded in the asphalt. They're, and they're being driven over, they're being walked over even after the tar paper's gone. So they're not meant to last very long. I saw like a lifespan of usually about a year. Oh, really? And th- yeah. And that's if, that's if the, um, if the, like the road crews don't happen to be repaving that street in the meantime. In some cities, they actually go dig these things up when they're reported. Boo. I think Chicago and New York do that. But for the most part, they tend to just kind of linger along until they slowly like kind of get trashed and then are eventually repaved over. So it's an ephemeral 
project as well, that he's just constantly updating and doing and has been since the mid-'80s. Yeah, and it, you, you get a sense of the real delight from the people, from these three guys and then just other people in general of finding these and, like, uh, it's almost like a like a scavenger hunt. And then when they find them, like, uh, then assessing and appreciating and reveling in its condition, like, mm-hmm. oh, this one's pretty new. It's still in pretty right. good shape. Or, yeah. look, there are only fragments of this one left. Um it's pretty neat. I mean, I'm going to New York in two days for the first time in two years, and uh, you can bet your bottom dollar I'm going to be trying to find one of these and get yeah. a picture. Well, you'll probably find there's a lot of copycats these days. Some, like we said, are trying to confuse the issue. Others are just kind of vibing on the tile maker's vibe. Um, the most I won't be suckered by any copycat. The most prolific <laughs> is the House of Hades. Um, they don't seem to care at all about resurrecting the dead on Jupiter, but they really like the idea of like like um, reducing all media and journalists to ash, um, which is kind of a side thing. Like we said, the Toynbee tile maker is uh, into. Um, so there's you there's a good chance you will see some, but there's it's not necessarily a tile maker unless you actually go actively seek them out, and you can find that on Toynbee Idea. Yeah. Dot com or dot net, whatever it is, um, they uh, they have them like archived, so you could you could go look for sure. Yeah, I mean that's I'm gonna cheat. I'm not just gonna randomly walk around. Oh, for really? Three days <laughs> trying to find tiles, <laughs> looking uh, down the whole time. Yeah, I got other stuff to do, but people <clears throat> to see. But um, the other thing I want to mention too before we close is just I found myself watching this documentary and sort of exploring the idea of anonymity and how I feel about that in a case like this where you have someone who uh let's let's say this person is has some sort of mental condition and this is their outlet and uh instead of you know standing there with a bullhorn on a street corner this may be their their messaging system mm-hmm. and like when i saw these guys banging on the door uh and making phone calls to his mom i was mm-hmm. like leave him alone yeah it kind of hurt to watch huh yeah, and they even talk about that, and they, they're trying to be respectful, but they do talk about the fact that, you know, they think they saw someone upstairs, right. clearly at home, not answering the door when it sort of hit them that, like, this person may be up there really scared. Right. Uh, when the documentary came out, there was a lull in activity um, from the tile maker. So, but then I thought, you know, but then why are you going out and putting these things all over the place and seemingly trying to start a movement or attract attention. Although I don't know about start a movement because it's not like that ever genuinely was the goal, I don't think. Yeah, it was. I don't know. It didn't feel like it to me because it it seems like if that would have been the case, it would have been here's who I am and here's where we'll meet. And uh, I don't know. I, I never... I'm not convinced that this person wanted other people involved. What? But that that's... So imagine if you felt like you were the only person who understood what God wanted science to do, and you were a recluse who could not, was not at all comfortable interacting with other people. What would you do? Well, you would, when when someone came knocking on your door saying, hey, listen, I think you're a great, brilliant thinker, and I believe in this movement, mm-hmm. I can help you get your word out, then you then you take them up on it. Like, it seems like this person did not want to be discovered. Right. 
and thus did not want to start a movement to be at the center of. Uh, yes, I don't think that he wanted to be at the center of it. I think he wanted this movement to start. Yeah, I don't know if I agree with that. So one of the things that, that was in that um, that press kit that the, the guy wrote off for in the early 80s and still kept for like 20 or so years, it says, as the most unusual scientific movement in the USA, the group wants the world to put all other affairs aside in order to scientifically colonize the planet Jupiter. So, like, if, if, if he believed that, and that's what his genuine aim was, but he felt totally ill-equipped to actually publicize it himself, like making tiles and embedding them in a clever way in asphalt actually kind of makes sense to me. See, I think that's the final mystery is yeah. the purpose of this to begin with. Yeah. Yeah, if you take it on face value, then then he was trying to make resurrection happen, knowing he couldn't do it himself. He needed science to do it, but he had to rouse everybody to do it on his behalf, basically. Uh, yeah, who knows? Maybe it is just an ongoing art project. Who knows? I don't know. I think that's a mystery we'll never solve. Uh, in the documentary, there it sort of closes on an interesting thing where uh, I think the main guy tells the story of, I think he's, was it on a bus or something? Yeah. He, he thinks they're on a bus together. And it's sort of a mutual acknowledgement and eye contact of, I know who you are. You're the guy that's been knocking on my door that did the documentary. And I know that you're uh, the, the tile maker. Uh, and there were, but no words were exchanged. No. And he, he's like, he concludes, like, I need to leave this guy alone forever. He just, I, like, I just have to accept it and move on that he doesn't want to be a part of this. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Um, well, if you want to know more about the Toynbee Tiles, there is a lot on the internet that you can read about it. You can watch Resurrect Dead. It was a pretty good documentary. Definitely worth $4. Um, and uh, since I said definitely worth $4, it's time for listener mail. Uh, I'm going to call this Phantom Kidney. Uh, hey, guys. You've been my go-to for audio entertainment since 2012 when I was working to finish my forensic science graduate research uh i finally have something to email about though four years ago this may i donated a kidney to my friend's mom uh technically my kidney went to someone else directly because we were in the paired exchange program which i learned about from you guys wow um, and i actually experienced phantom kidney sensation wow uh, i know right uh luckily the phantom sensation was not painful but almost a weird specific awareness and feeling uh, I mean, because who can actually feel their kidneys, right? right? But it was on the same side of the one that I lost and lower back. Uh, who knows? It could have been placebo because they warned me that it was possible. But it was fascinating to learn of phantom organ pain firsthand and from you guys. Yeah. Uh, just figured that was unique enough and sort of a fun learning experience. Uh, if you have an opportunity to emphasize the paired exchange program, please add it in again. Uh, just by me jumping in to donate. Three transplants were able to be performed. Uh, while every donation program is different, my experience was absolutely wonderful, and I would gladly do it again if I had another to spare. Uh, and if anyone were interested in more information, I would gladly share it with them. I uh, love what you guys do. Uh, it's been fun going through life alongside you both. That is Mackenzie from Maine, currently in Pennsylvania, with one kidney. And uh, yeah. Definitely check out the Paired Kidney Exchange Program Yeah, uh, if that's something that you are able to do. If you have a good, healthy kidney that you can 
healthily donate, then someone would be glad to take it off your hands. Emphasis added. <laughs> also, Mackenzie, I mean, hats off to you for doing that. That's totally. an amazing thing that you did, and you deserve great. to be canonized. So congratulations. Uh, and if you want to be like Mackenzie and basically say, hey, you want to hear about this cool thing I did? You can send us an email. Wrap it up, spank it on the phantom kidney, and send it off to stuffpodcast at iheartradio.com. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Are you thirsty? Well, Richard's rainwater is caught clean before it even hits the ground. Rain is naturally pure, so there's no need for harsh chemicals or additives. Richard's rainwater contains no chlorine, no forever chemicals, no microplastics, no nothing. Enjoy the smooth, clean taste of still rainwater or the cold pressured bubbles of sparkling rainwater. Just visit richardsrainwater.com to find a retailer near you. That's richardsrainwater.com. And for a coupon, text STUFF to 251-292-8887 and receive $2 off a 12-pack case of Richard's Rainwater. Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code STUFF20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Hey, everybody. I want to talk to you for a second here about Canva, specifically Canva presentations that are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation. So start designing today at Canva.com. Designed for work. Just go to canva, C-A-N-V-A, dot com.